What's up, everybody? Welcome in to your Monday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We're going to be joined by John Colosimo in just a minute. We have, uh, just a reminder to everybody, covered the entire draft over the weekend. John and I got together the first two days. You can check out those podcasts that are obviously available. And then I was able to put together something yesterday uh, on the uh, solo side for day three and a lot of thoughts and a lot of scouting reports and a lot of information on not only the players they selected, but also some players that were UDFAs. So uh, initially, we'll keep updating that as the Browns continue to add to that list or anything like that. We'll keep our eye out for the changes that happen. But all of those guys, who they signed, where they're from, some stats about them are available uh, for you uh, if you go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. Just a reminder of what's up on the website. Corey Kennan, who does a lot of draft content for us, put up a grade you know, I hate draft grades personally, but I do think they have some value and I think people really like them. So if you would like grades on what Corey thought of each pick, that is available on our website. A VIP article, which is out there on the selection of David Bell. Some of the numbers behind the Browns pick there in the third round, why David Bell makes sense for Cleveland. And we'll talk a little bit more about that with John today. But then also a really, really good one from Jack Duffin, who's looking at updating the age and athleticism guardrails. What evidence is out there? What did we learn from this draft based on what we knew going into it about what the Browns like to do? So we updated that, and it is so detailed to teach you a lot of the the history and habits of what Andrew Barry likes to do. So check those things out on the OBR website. We're going to bring in John Colosimo, and we are going to talk with John about a myriad of day three topics and then some other big overarching uh, angles from around the division and things like that, because there are some teams that had pretty good drafts that I think we need to talk about. And again, we're calling them pretty good drafts right now. Who knows what that will look like, but we want to have the discussions around players. We think of the perception is that the value is pretty good. So John, what's up, man? How are you? How are we feeling? Good, man. You know, um, I got a, had a pretty crazy little weekend, head down to Columbus, head back up. Um, I'm going to sleep well and the kids are going to sleep well today. So, uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good, but also, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be asleep as soon as my head hits the pillow. <laughs> I understand, man. I am running on fumes. Do not take red eyes out of Vegas. If you can avoid <laughs> it, you see, you stay awake for three hours on the plane. Cause the plane's flying back in the jet stream. You're back in Ohio before you know it. You didn't sleep at all on at 6am. So, and then you got a little kid at home waiting on you who's excited who hasn't seen you in five days. So it's been a long day, John. It's been a long day. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about the draft in a rapid fashion, then my face is gonna hit a pillow and be done for the night. So we didn't talk day three. You and I spent time together day one and day two, but I wanted your thoughts on what stood out from you on day three, things that you like, things you didn't like. Uh, hit me up with your just general thoughts on that. Uh, so uh, I think it started out really well and very much to what we expected. I, I'm like I'm proud to a certain extent that um, that we were smelling what the Browns were cooking there. Um, they come out, they take uh, a much needed three tech uh, in Winfrey, who is the pick that both of us would have taken, and many people also would have uh, with that first Browns pick. It was nice to lock that one in. Um, we also saw them trade down for time out. Did value. you, did you, did you get a look at anything from Winfrey in the post draft interviews? Because <laughs> oh, that yeah. is an all timer. <laughs> I was, I was in the hotel out there in Vegas 
literally audibly laughing about this guy, like in, in a good way, like this guy is jacked up and sweating. it's just it's sweating <laughs> an all time post draft interview where I even think that the people asking the questions in the media there who, who are beat people were like unsure of how to even ask questions because they weren't when he said something, John, about like, I'm a dog because my parents, when they conceived me, my parents were dogs. I was like, this is an all-time quote, man. All-time quote. So I had to ask if you saw any of that. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, I forwarded that to my brothers and uh, uh, my one brother, Tony. He he loves him a psychopath on a team. (laughs) And and so he got his guy. (laughs) That is guy. But I will say, John, there are people that are energy givers and energy suckers. People that that you know this man. People that oh, yeah. you like to be around. Those people who give off energy. Those are those are important people in any in any line of business. You know, it could be a work from home job, right? You know, then there's people that take energy and take the life out of a room or the life out of a meeting because their negativity or general outlook on life. And it feels like Winfrey is a energy creator, and I do think that matters, man. It's like, hey, it's. The fifth day of camp, nobody wants to be out here, but this guy's jacked up and going through indie drills, yelling and screaming. That can that can matter to the temperature of a room, man. Oh, yeah. This dude, like, you know, he lives his life uh, as if he just put down like a triple helping of pre-workout. You know, does he he live his life a quarter mile at a time, John? Does he live his life a quarter mile at a time? (laughs) He he very well might. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, me too. Any other thoughts, Day 3? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I had to ask oh, about Winfrey because yeah. it was wild. No, no, that's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, so then they uh, they trade down for massive value. And I think what people have to understand, there's a lot of people disappointed by it. Um, to take a, uh, you know, a second round pick and not even like, a, you know, like a top of the second round, because, you know, those are those are always super valuable and sought after because, you know, people inevitably slip. So and they they get data sleep on it look at that board and uh, this is this was not that pick you know um for for them to make that trade and get that kind of value out of that pick that just doesn't happen right it, it just doesn't happen so um it was very good value for a team that needed um some restock and you know just like we talked about actually you know we talked about this uh the day before and you were talking about breaking up that monotony where we didn't have a pick. And I was talking about getting picks uh, next year. And we were both right. They did both with this Mm -hmm. trade down. So uh, to me, I think it was, it was, you know, there's definitely guys I would have liked, but um, I think looking at it long-term, I think uh, it's hard to, fault them and it's definitely impossible to fault the the actual value in terms of you know draft capital any way you want to you want to slice that so getting the fourth round back is great how many picks do you think they have next year off top of your head maybe you've seen it maybe you don't know i thought they had six i thought they had five going in and i think they only grabbed the oh no but now they have seven right because they they're up to eight they're up to eight yeah so they have Okay. The sec they have the second they have their third round which will be their own or compensatory uh, a fourth rounder of their own a fourth rounder from the Vikings two fifths because of the Hill trade a sixth and a seventh and t- and another reminder they could get up to nine because yeah, of the- Glenn Cook right Correct. yeah right who will yep. be a hot commodity next off season so yeah they're at eight 
could be potentially nine. I don't know what their 2024 list looks like. I think the the sneaky trade, uh, the end of the Watson trade where that sneaky pick got thrown in, I feel like that's a 24 pick that got thrown in like a fourth round or so. Maybe it's lighter in 24 than 23. I can't quite remember off no, the top I of th- my I head. Thought, I thought 23 was the lightest that we had, um, you know, but we'll check that out. I'll tell you what, what's interesting about that uh, when you bring it up Cook is, um, you know, I, I always watched, um, you know, when I was growing up, Green Bay would like groom some quarterbacks and then trade them and get value out of that. Um, what I have never seen is a team capitalize on front office people <laughs> get yeah, picks for yeah. this. And, you know, I would love to like see the Browns just continually pump out GMs and let's <laughs> get picks for it. Cause I just lean into it. That. It'd be like oh, yeah. the new, the new thing. It's just, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anything in the background cooking behind no pun intended behind Glenn cook, but it does feel like that's an inevitability. And especially considering how much the Browns put cook out in front of, the media and all of that stuff too. It's and very you know, good we sign too. It just yeah. for the organization, like yeah. what people think of our front office people, as much as people say about Baltimore. And I know that we're going to get into that. Um, I don't see them getting picks for their front office people. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So uh, very interesting in that regard. It could be completely ironical. I mean, there could be no rhyme or reason to it, but it's also True. awesome. I mean, because it does good. It does. Uh, the The purpose of the rule is actually being applied. They are putting out smart people who are good at this stuff and deserve opportunities. Uh, we'll see if it if it continues after the twenty three. I mean, the Browns need to keep winning, right? The thing that the the thing that gets GMs and assistant coaches hired is your team is winning. In that, that if they can win, continue to win, then I think that could be a, a it could, it could be a continual thing. So. Okay, so let's shift a little bit. I know we're going to talk a little more about some of these day three guys as we go, and I want to get your opinion on... Well, actually, I'll ask you this before we close. There's two picks here that are interesting. The Cade York pick and Jerome Ford. I want your opinion on those specifically. All right, so um, I hate drafting kickers. I hate it. Um, I don't think it's a good idea. um, uh, I've seen so many best kicker in college footballs drafted and very they they flame out at just the same rate as any other prospect does um however so i understand you want to address it and if he works out then sure it'll be he'll he'll be worth the pick he will um but if it doesn't it's you know particularly with what with what was on the board at that time i just can't get on board with it um i was furious um the, I know we need to solve it. I know we need to solve it. And you want the McPherson-type impact, all right? But you're just not guaranteed that. Uh, I hope, I'm going to hope for the absolute best. And I'm definitely, you know, to your tweet, I'm definitely going to be patient. It's not like the guy misses a kick and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be upset. I will be upset if he gets to camp and looks like shit. Um, however, you know, way worse than picking a kicker in in the draft especially you know in the middle of the draft is drafting a punter that's flipping yeah. horrible horrible yeah and i would have been see, bothered by that oh my god and to see like our you know our ravens you know quote mm-hmm. unquote uh for the pff guys um draft a punter um you know made me feel you know and it's just stupid but it does make me feel a lot better about what because it's far more valuable to grab a kicker than it is to punter. And there's no defense of that. 
there is no defense of drafting a punter. None. You yeah. can make an argument for a kicker, but uh, drafting a punter is just straight up stupid. Stupid. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I would say I would say with York, what I saw some folks, our good friends there, Pro Football Focus, mentioned was it's it's not advisable. You don't love it. You know, you could definitely persuade me why it's a bad idea. But if you're going to take a pick that you acquired and do it, that you have not had a part of your normal setup of picks like this pick 124, they took him if they if it's a part of a package you got back and it's almost like a free gamble pick, then it can be okay. You know, but I'm like, the thing that I'm optimistic about is that he actually has leg talent. I think that's the thing that cyber didn't have. Like the the data on cyber from, from anything that involved getting the football, you know, down the field as a kicker was terrible. It was just not like the kick, the, the decision to draft cyber was so weird because it di- it didn't make any sense altogether from everything you've seen of York and what you know of him and people that understand the kicking position and like Daniel Jeremiah having him inside his 150 is that there's actual leg talent. So if he comes in and is a little rough, I can stomach it the same way the Carlson situation was for Minnesota where they they're an example, a perfect example of giving up way too early. Like if a guy has genuine leg talent and he needs to figure out some things about kicking in Cleveland and the environment and all that, you got to be patient with him. That's what that's what I hope that they have the ability to take a guy who has talent, which it's it's pretty clear that this guy has overwhelming leg talent then like give him a chance that's all i'm going to say like i just i don't want him and i get it being bothered if he's bad at camp or if he's bad like I, okay i just don't want to pull the plug too quick is kind of what i'm getting at i just would like to give him like hey let's give a guy 3 years to figure out this kicking thing before we it, it, granted he doesn't go 50% you know john but like sure. just let's give the guy a chance if he has genuine talent here Give him a chance to figure out Cleveland and let's see if we can get this thing right. Now, McPherson makes it harder because you watched him come in and figure out Cincinnati and make big kick after big kick. So that's the hope. But, you know, I get I totally get both sides of it. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to I don't lean one direction too far the other, but I am at least glad that they invested in kicker and not punter. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll tell you what, like, too, um, I love the quotes. I love what he's saying. Um, So I appreciate that. I think that just um, I might have, like, some PTSD, really. um, Forever burned into my brain will be Mike Nugent's career. That This is the best kicker I've ever seen in college football. This guy was absolutely dynamite. Big situations, long yards, whatever. Nugent was the best. He was a huge reason. He was a huge contributor to the 2002 national championship. Um, And he was below average, uh, average. I don't know, maybe at best, like as a, you know, and then you look at something absolutely. And I'll always remember, you know, people talk about Seabass, you know, getting taken in the first and, you know, whatever, but he was actually a good kicker. All right. Far worse, far worse than Sebastian Janikowski was um, Aguayo. Is that yeah. is that the right way to? Yeah, I think it's Roberto Aguayo was right Aguayo, or something like that. Yeah, right? I'm pretty sure they traded up. I think they traded the equivalent of like two second round picks or something like that to go get him. And that dude was in a therapist room mm-hmm. at camp. I mean, like horrendous. So we're far, far removed from those kinds of. So I don't want to like oversell it. I'm absolutely going to be rooting for the guy. And I really would love, you know, to have this kicker position settled um, since the first time since um, uh, what's his name? Jesus. Um, Phil Dawson. Yeah. Dawson, which Dawson is such a weird thing too. I was, I always joke with my brothers that like, I felt like he started doing roids like halfway through his (laughs) career because he couldn't make a kick like over 40 some yards, like for a chunk of his career. And then all of a sudden he, you know, like beefed up that leg. Whenever well, that's, that's a little bit of what happened with Nugent is Nugent starts out with the jets gets hurt after Oh eight. So he starts out, he was, he was drafted by the jets. Nugent was picked in the second round 47th. So he had the hype. I mean, that's, Oh yeah. That's a serious selection. And and I should mention too, Cade York, well, this is the funny thing is like Warren Sharp put out the Cade York tweet about how like Cade York's the highest kicker selected since Roberto Aguayo. And, and now we know we know what happened with Aguayo. It's like, OK, so, yeah, that's just an immediate like that's going to happen. Right. OK, gotcha, man. Makes sense. Yeah, totally. I don't know. Th- those tweets that's are not, hilarious to me. Yeah, that that's not a and he's been on a streak. Right. You know, I, I used to really like the guy. I used to buy his uh, guide every year. He does not uh, stay in his lane. On, He's, oh he's been on a streak of bad tweets, I feel like. Um, anyway, but yeah, like it's ridiculous to make that comparison just right off the rip, just straight up on draft capital spent. It's it's dumb. As much as I bagged on it, and I know I did, I bagged on it on Twitter, but like uh, that's a dumb comparison to make. Yeah, and I'm Sharp with you. Is just, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, York could fail ultimately, but it has nothing to do, has nothing to do with Aguayo. But anyway, the, the like, did Nugent get hurt? He go through a string of injuries because his first three years were pretty solid. I mean, he was like twenty two of twenty eight, twenty four of twenty seven, twenty nine of thirty six, and then he he misses all of two thousand eight, 
and then is obviously let go of because 09 he's with Arizona and Tampa in two different spurts and then 2010 through 2016 has a really nice run with the Bengals where he's up over 80% almost every single year and then kicks through 35 when he was in Chicago and Dallas has a decent little like free agent run where he's with Oakland, New England and Arizona, but he kicked through 2020 with Arizona. Nugent yeah, nice, did. nice career. Nice career. Yeah. Just, you know, not maybe what you thought. Um, sure. You know, he was just, yeah, you remember. I mean, he's just, he was, Oh, he phenomenal. was phenomenal, man. Some of the kicks that that dude made and, in big moments, he was automatic. But yeah, I mean, it's just kickers are what's the word? I mean, I say it. <clears throat> they're like they're capricious, man. The sudden change. You never it's it's like a golfer. It's like you'll watch Jordan Spieth be really good. And it's like, how on the earth is anybody ever going to be better than Jordan? Like Jordan Spieth is going to be the greatest golfer I've ever seen. And then they just lose it. The swing path gets off. They can't refine. <laughs> yeah. Rory McIlroy went through it, right? Like you, you think like the, the, this Rory's going to break every record Tiger is going to make. And then they just can't figure it out. It's like it's the most muscle memory thing in football for for the most part. It's just repeating it because quarterback's yeah, a different kind of muscle memory, right? You got to do different yeah. things, different, different. Kicking is just, hey, man, kick it with the right trajectory. Get, find your path, find your motion and repeat it. It's like free throw shooter to an extent and no, not, kicking now is harder than it's ever been because these extra points are deeper and that, you know, sure. kickers will tell you all the time now yeah. about how you used to have those extra points to just boost your confidence, right? Those, those, those almost warm up reps. Now you don't get those anymore, but I just, I don't know. I, I want to be patient with the guy and I hope it works out because you can keep crossing your fingers that a UDFA guy works out, or you can try to be aggressive. So they've done both. They've taken cyber. They've tried the UDFA path. They've now invested in York. And like you said, I have a general good feeling about him based on the way he just talks, the way he sounds, the way he's uh, you know cognizant of all of the things going on with his selection. So fingers crossed. So Jerome Ford, I want to switch there. This running back selection who, um, now makes it five running backs, John, that, that are rosterable running backs. We know who the top two are. We know that that uh, the the signing of bringing back of Dearness Johnson's in place. And now we learn in the interview about Jerome Ford that they are going to make Demetric Felton a full-time running back now. So that's five guys if you include Ford. Is somebody moving? Like, what do you, what do you expect to happen? And what do you think of Jerome Ford? Well, let me first say um, that I hate that uh, that idea of Felton being full time running back. I um, I really don't like it, um, and I usually don't jump on things that that come out of our coaching staff. I have a lot of respect for him, but like that that's dumb to me. If you're going to make Felton a full time running back. Um, then his value and my perception of him drops significantly. Um, the and you you got five. That's that's a lot. I mean, um, so now he enters this this running back room. I like Ford. Uh, I think he. It's going to depend on how he looks. Um, you know, vision wise. Uh, I'm in the minority. Uh, I'm not the biggest Dearness Johnson fan. Um, I think he's fine, but. Um, I'm, I'm not his biggest fan comparatively uh, within the Browns fandom, um, but uh, I understand that they're probably prepping you. Um, look, 
when you're a very good team, if you're a smart team, uh, and you have as many big contracts as the Browns have signed in recent years, we're basically completely full up um, in terms of premium contracts that you can give uh, for veterans. Um, yeah, I think Browns fans have to prepare for the fact that, you know, Chubb and Hunt and those guys, like, those are going to be, like, a couple of years, and that's it. Um, you know, Hunt may go if he has value, if they can find a trade pa- partner. Typically, how many how many guys uh, at running back are rostered around the league? It's like three, four, maybe. Maybe. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's like between three and four. Um, and one of those guys might not even be active. Um, so um, I, I, I got to think that the, some moves are in, in the cards, and that would be Hunt and that would be Johnson, would be the, the guys that you're really looking at that if they can find trade partners – will be moved because you're you were absolutely you're absolutely not going to enter the 2023 season with five running backs like nobody's going to convince me of that so um something's going to happen here and uh like just the idea that it, it may have been possible out you know if they had not said that about felton it may have been possible if they had not said that about felton but they did and in that case, there's no effing way that they're going to roster, you know, five running backs in the 53. I don't, I don't believe no. that. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of moving parts there. I don't know what they end up doing, but, you know, it's notable that there has not been a single Andrew Barry draft pick cut, right? Like, not a single one has been cut yet. So those guys are on the roster. You presume that. Okay, Jerome Ford, some, and they could end up cutting. I mean, like, there's some guys at the end of this draft that they could cut here, no, no doubt. But it, um, to me, is just particularly interesting that they they can't go into this year with five. They can't. So somebody has to be moved. There are big decisions looming. There's some free agency stuff. I think that is still set to happen. A defensive tackle, perhaps, still to be considered. Even though they did go out and get some UDFA guys that are of interest, but. There's just some moving pieces here that I think are going to be particularly interesting. Running back is just overcrowded. So places that you could go like would be wise to me. And what we're going to talk about here was the Troy Troy Hill trade here in just a second is looking at getting value where you need it. They feel like they needed value from Troy Hill. Okay, so let's let's go there and kind of build off of this topic we're talking about here, dealing from a position of strength to try to create opportunity. Troy Hill is a fine player. He's a league average player. I think he's a fine nickel. Hurt some stretches of last year, not quite as good as his run with the Rams for a couple different reasons, in my opinion. But the Browns decide this. We have the pieces in place in defensive backs set up right now, and there's still some moving parts. Like We have to figure out who the slot guy is going to be with Hill out, but... There's talent, enough talent there to figure it out. So they say, instead of letting Hill just walk at the end of next year, why don't we just get out in front of this with the talent we've acquired and go get a pick for him? Instead of just losing him for nothing, let's get a pick for him. They could do the same thing with the 2024 draft. Like You could easily see Dearness Johnson being moved for a potential 2024 draft pick, right? Because then you start to offset some of those things you're missing. So I think that's a particular angle that's in play. And I know Kareem Hunt only has one year left on his deal. I could see somebody getting pretty aggressive and coming after Kareem Hunt if they didn't get a running back they wanted and, and Cleveland being open to making that player 
open, you know, for a second or a third or a fourth rounder if the right cost, in my opinion. It's I think it's, it's all on the table right now. Oh, yeah. And the uh, creams, I think, um, you know, they got a nice team friendly deal for a team that thinks that they're running back away. Um, you know, um, not that I would want to help the Bills, but the Bills could have been a guy that uh, our team that would highly benefit from grabbing a uh, cream hunt, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I love the idea of Troy of getting a pick for Troy Hill. Um, I think that slot is uh, it's a tough position to play. Um, you know, so you will have like a grade that you know when you look at like a very good slot player, uh, the PFF grade for example, will surprise you. They're, they're not elite, you know, like not elite grades in terms of like, you're not going to find slot guys in the nineties. Um, you know, generally speaking, uh, like a 75 guy for, for a nickelback, um, is a, a very nice grade. Like you're going to be in the top five of, of nickelbacks. If you sport a 75 grade in PFF, um, so I, I love the fact that uh, you're going to get something back there. We needed the extra picks. They they made that move. Uh, it also says something about what they're going to do on this team in slot. You know, some people thought Emerson um, could fit in there. But again, like a, a rookie is not really where you want to be for Nickelback. Um, you know, so I tend to lean towards Newsom uh, being the guy that they want to slide in there and maybe Emerson is uh, the guy that they put on the outside there, or maybe they're stashing him, you know, uh, for a year, whatever the case. But I think it definitely speaks to how they feel about the roster that they were able to go ahead and trade him because it's not like he, you know, had a prohibitive contract or anything like that. Um, so I, I just, I, for a team that, that just traded three first round picks for a quarterback and needs to, um, you know, and signed all these players, you know, again, like I can't emphasize enough, like the Browns are full up on premium contracts. Do not expect to see premium contracts coming out of this, you know, like David Njoku, if he earns it, uh, will be one that I think they'll make an exception for. But other than that, like, you know, get ready for the Browns to be recycling players and needing to get something out of these, these, uh, these drafts to be able to buoy, this roster you know you have a premium quarterback contract you have both guards getting premium contracts you have a um a uh, top of the um top of the market cornerback and defensive end you know the, you know you need to understand that the browns have to be building through the draft to make what they have going work long term so um, I think all that makes sense to me in the Troy Hill department, and it's nice to pick up a pick, and uh, I'll be very interested to see. But my prediction is it's it's Newsome in the slot. Yeah, there's 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 options. There's bigger body options, and I don't. I mean, I like Newsome. I just get a little worried about run fits and like having him be a guy in fallback fits who's you know sliding inside to, to play force and stuff like that at his size. But they have options here. I I, I trust them to figure it out and. Uh, they would not have made this trade as 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 quickly as they did if they didn't think they had a plan here. So AJ Green's in that fold too. He's a nice player. He could be a guy that they give some opportunity to as well. So 
like you said, good point about the contracts. I want to ask you a couple quick questions about the draft. Just pick a player here, a couple different things. Like who's your who's your favorite pick from this draft? We'll just kind of lightning around a couple of these things. Who's your favorite pick and who's your least favorite pick? Just give me your two names there. Okay. Uh, my favorite pick is Wright. Um, my Got it. least favorite pick uh, is still probably the kicker. Um, okay. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. That's probably where I'm at. Fair enough. I think my favorite pick would also be Alex Wright. Least favorite pick. And the, and we're I'm going to ask you about like boom or bust. And this probably doesn't go into that. I just didn't understand the Michael Wood selection. I just, I don't oh, yeah. really understand oh. where that guy fits in the wide receiver room. He didn't produce much in college. I will be open to seeing how he figures it out at the NFL level. I just thought that selection was strange and on a couple different levels. So I think that's probably just like my overall least, least favorite pick. I really liked Alex Wright and I could make an argument for really liking David Bell too, because I've talked to you off air and some other people about how I sort of view him as, and we'll, we'll move on to boomer bus. Like I think David Bell and probably Perry on Winfrey are tied here. I think David Bell has a chance to be a very nice player. Um, I don't know. I don't know that that's actually fair. I think David Bell is going to be good. I have a good feeling David Bell is going to be something. So I think David Bell is going to be a better version of Rashard Higgins. People keep trying to talk about Landry. I see Rashard Higgins, an outside receiver who produced in college, doesn't run a blazing 40. They actually ran pretty similar 40 times. But what I like about Bell is if you look at the 10 yard split, that always to me tells me how fast a guy can really get. How fast is his top speed? Maybe David Bell doesn't start the 40 yard dash well or something, you know, because the start of a 40 yard dash is a, is a science in and of itself. Um, anyway, you know, with Bell, I think that he gets to like he had a 1 5 6 10 yard split, which is pretty strong, almost an eight on the scale of other people in the position, which is good. It tells you how fast he can get up to. So I think Bell is a faster top speed, wider catch radius, more consistent player than Rashard Higgins. And if you can get that type of guy in the third round, what was it, pick 99, you feel pretty good about that. So I think actually he's more of your higher basement player. And and, and so if you're looking at boom or bust, I think Perry on Winfrey has a lot of boom or bust in his profile. And I think the same can be said for Alex Wright, who is still – a lot of people liked Alex Wright. You know, I, uh, Corey Kennan, that, that our place was uh, at the OBR, was huge on him. But there's not a lot of tape. You can't just go find an Alex Wright highlight tape out there. And there's not a bunch of all 22 to consume of him. So he has a lot of bust, but there is a lot of boom potential for him as well here because he is he is the I mean, he's going to look standing next to Miles Garrett like a similar dude. Like he is that big, that frame, that long levered arm type of guy and and if he can figure it out and be a learner and a worker alongside miles there's something there there's really something there he came on so late uh, in the cycle where people were talking about can we get this guy into the top 100 and, and and smart people like dane brugler put him in the top 100 and pff didn't even have him in their simulator even though he won conference defensive player of the year he didn't have him in their simulator until like mid-march so those two scream biggest boom or bust potential to me. Am I, are you anybody else there for you or do those two make the most sense? Yeah, I think that, um, I think uh, you're right to point to right. <laughs> uh, as, uh, just in terms of boom, especially, um, the only one I'd throw in is, is Emerson. And I think that, you know, they obviously really like this guy. Um, 
but being that first pick and uh, like, I'm just thinking about what their expectations are. I think that they're pretty high to take him uh, where they did. Uh, I think that that'll be the additional one that I'll be looking at and where I think uh, boomer bust there. I mean, uh, you know, to be their first selection of the draft means uh, they, they believe in him. So I'll be interested to see how they use him. Uh, and how quickly he ends up getting on the field. I dig it. I dig it. Okay, so we're going to probably wrap here um, for a Monday quick hitter. We will get back with John later in the week, and we'll do around the NFL draft, around the league, talk about some of the teams that are direct comparison in the most highly competitive in the AFC. We'll talk about Bills, Chiefs, Ravens, talk about Kenny Pickett a little bit uh, a little later in the week. We'll try to wrap that. So, uh, any other last second things? I don't know if you've even looked at the UDFA guys. You maybe haven't. It's not a popular thing to do because more often than not, they don't matter. So I just want to give you the floor, John. Any other things about this draft you want to close with as we get out of here? No, I, I don't think I have too much to add. You know, I did take a look at the UDFAs, but uh, I don't have a ton to say about it. You know, a couple tight ends. Um, you know, people thought we would walk out of this draft with an extra tight end. We didn't. So it'll be interesting to see how those uh, UDFAs end up. Uh, I expect at least one of those guys to end up on a practice squad, um, no matter what. But uh, it'll be kind of interesting there. I I don't really know what they're doing with the with Felix Harper. Um, that's kind of interesting. I don't know if that's camp arm or uh, what we got there. I, I wanted to go check out his stuff because I know nothing about him. So uh, yeah, I think I'll probably take a look, maybe be able to say something later this week when we get together. Yeah, like Roderick Perry, the defensive tackle from Illinois, a big, big body, shade type player, could be an interesting guy, 6'2", 3'15". The, the, the first three that screamed to me is Sean Jolly from App State as well, 5'9", buck 75. First team all Sunbelt, had a, had a ridiculously strong grade in 2019 at a 91.7 and 91.4 in coverage dipped down in 20 and then in 21 had a bit of a bounce back year he's the ideal size to play slot do they like him a lot it's an interesting name to keep your eye on and then the other one is the weston kid the uh freak of nature uh, athletic testing he's in the, the isaiah weston 6-3-2-14-4-4-2-40 inch vertical 135 broad like is there something there for the kid out of northern illinois right um, yeah. or is it Northern Iowa? I think he's a UNI. I Northern can't remember. Iowa. I think it's, yeah. I, it's Northern yeah. Iowa. It's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of athleticism to work with. Even if you make the team as a special teams ace, that's, that's, that's just a lot of athleticism and size to work with. So we'll dig in more on these guys, watch some film on them. Like Glenn Logan's another one, the kid from LSU, right? Six, five, mm-hmm. three, Oh three. Um, he had like seven sacks in his college career there. So there's some talent here. There's some guys who could make this roster, especially if you, look at these positions like you mentioned tight end they're going to be keeping the third tight end they can't live life without a third tight end also interesting free agent idea right like a lot of Kyle Rudolph still available but that would be an interesting free agent position to try to just map out so anyway this was fun man we put a ton of draft thoughts into this we'll get together later in the week we will try to uh, try to map out some of the other things with the UDFAs and try to map out around the league because there's a ton of topics around the league that I want to get John's opinion on so we will check back in with him, probably get back to our Friday structure since I'm back here in Ohio and can get back on a normal schedule when we've talked through the draft. So keep your eye out for that Fridays with John podcast. 
John, I appreciate your time, man, your insights. Uh, first class, buddy. I appreciate it always. Hey, always fun to be on here. I love the draft and uh, one of my favorite weekends of the year. So I appreciate uh, getting to do three of these with you. Yeah, man. It was really a fun draft, too. It's it's a weird draft, but it was a fun draft. And it came and it went quickly. And I just always, those Sundays after the draft where you're just like spent. You've invested so much time <laughs> and energy in the in the draft. And it's like just need a day to decompress and move on. So I'm sure the 2023 quarterbacks are already being debated Twitter circle. So keep your eye out for that. CJ Stroud and Bryce Young and all the above. So it never stops. Thanks to John for joining today's show. Thanks to you guys for making the draft podcast over the weekend, a ton of fun to record and do different things. And I hope you enjoyed the content coverage I gave to you here, both at the OBR and with John on the podcast. It was a blast. So check in with John later this week. Appreciate him. Appreciate you guys for checking out all the content. We will have a ton of things up on these guys throughout the next two weeks, film rooms, uh, studying from the data side of things of these players and what the Browns liked about them. So keep your eye on the OBR's webpage for all of that content. will be a ton of great stuff. Thanks guys for joining today's show. Have a great Monday or whatever you're listening to this. Hopefully you're having a great week. Appreciate you. And we close with go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.